Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into Inside Sources today. And your guest co host, Lindsay Ertz, anchor, reporter, and host of the Mom Show here on KSL News Radio, joined by Casey Scott. Hi, Casey. That's right, host of the, co- uh, the podcast Project Recovery. Heck and yeah. Excited to be here. And today we're talking about a tough subject. We're talking about postpartum depression. We're talking about recovery. And it is National Suicide Awareness Month. So if you know somebody or yourself needs some help, please write this number down. It's 1 800 273 8255. That's 1 800. 800- Two seven three eight two five five, and that is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, right? So that is the number you can call if you or someone you know uh, you think might be having a problem. We want to make sure you always have that number. And like Casey said, uh, he and I have both been through respective issues, right? That uh, we think sort of fall under this umbrella of suicide awareness and pre- uh, prevention. And one of those issues that I've been through personally is postpartum anxiety and OCD. So I've brought in Brooke Dorf. She is the uh, postpartum depression specialist with the state health department. Hi, Brooke. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Okay. Lay it on us, Brooke. What are we talking about in terms of uh, women who are at risk for postpartum suicide? How big of a problem is this? So um, one thing that we like to talk about is that there nationally, there's no, um, states don't have to report that. So any numbers that we have, first of all, are going to be probably underreported um, or not super accurate yet. But here in Utah, um, we actually have a, a really good committee that collects those numbers. Um, it's the second leading cause of death for women who are pregnant and postpartum. So that's the beh- second leading cause of death. Yep, for new moms. Yep, in Utah and nationally. And that's second to what? Second to accidental drug overdose. So seventy-five um, percent of the deaths um, that we recorded between twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen had a mental health component, um, and suicide obviously is one of our big ones. And so. With And I don't know if you know the answer to this, but with women who are suffering from a postpartum mood disorder, and, and I want to be clear that the reason I use that phraseology, even though it's long, is when we say the term postpartum depression, which is what most people, um, you know, they think are of. familiar with. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really encompass everything that's possible for a, a postpartum woman to experience. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my experience was way more anxiety based with some OCD tendencies in there. There's postpartum PTSD, postpartum um uh, psychosis. psychosis, yep, and and that's where you typically see the infant side or the suicide. So it is it is rare that mm-hmm. women have that illness. I think it's about one in one hundred thousand. Yep, you're right, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is a rare rare illness. But I can remember my symptoms with postpartum OCD. I was even terrified to Google postpartum psychosis because I thought I had that, mm-hmm. and I was terrified that these scary thoughts that I was having. I was going to act on them. But you said you were, uh, I mean, it it gave you a sense of relief when you were diagnosed with this. Yes. And you talked about some of your symptoms. 
So how should somebody, I mean, how easy is it to be diagnosed with postpartum depression? (laughs) Easy is a relative term, but I think that, you know, the more we talk about different symptoms, people often only think that it's the mom that's at home crying, right? And also I want to clarify when we're talking about these um, mood disorders, we're also talking about during pregnancy. You can have depression, anxiety, all of those things while you're pregnant as well. Not as many people talk about that, right? So easiness is... Again, a relative term. There are therapists who are um, trained in this. Are we're working on training pediatricians and um, obstetric providers as well. But um, just knowing and talking about it, know that anger could be a symptom that you have. Not a lot of people think about the that. postpartum rage is right. a real thing. It's a real thing, yep. or little things like intrusive thoughts, like thinking that somebody's always going to break into your house. Like those are all things that lead to anxiety, and then anxiety and depression are risk factors for suicide. But I'm naive, so because I'm a guy and I've never been pregnant, but I am a father of three, and I think for the, the guys, I think a lot of time they think anger and anxiety is just par for the course during a pregnancy you know I, and and that's that just that that's what it happens yeah. but i don't think people have realized that the kind of strain it can put on your brain and your emotions and your thoughts and your relationships right with other people a lot of people another risk factor is um not having good relationships with those around you and feeling like you're alone and isolated when you and your partner, if if she's angry or anxious all the time and you're not going to have a good relationship, all of a sudden she feels isolated. Mm-hmm. And then these thoughts of, you know, my family would be better off without me start to happen. And then it leads to that crisis level. I remember when my ex-wife was pregnant and there were certain times you'd see people that are pregnant and go, oh, she, she's got a happy pregnancy. She's you know, and, you know, And girls would be uh. like, oh, I hate her. She's got that happy. <laughs> she makes like everything easy. And then there's some ladies that it, their pregnancy was it was just horrible and, and they were puking and, and mad and angry and, and all that. And so, and I think they think, why don't I have a happy pregnancy? I want that. I want the happy. I want yeah. the glow. I don't have the glow. Well, I think there are so many stereotypes with the way pregnancy should look, the way motherhood should look, the way mm-hmm. postpartum period should look. And we have all these like preconceived notions of what motherhood should look like. And when you're not having the experience that everyone else seems to be having, it can lead you into a really dark place really fast because you think, I'm broken. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with me. Like I want the glow. Give me the glow. I didn't glow. Yeah. <laughs> I weighed like 200 pounds. I had swollen ankles. Like That's not glowing, okay? Uh, But, Brooke, so recent studies have talked about how suicide risk in women should be a public health priority. Yep. Do you think we're making this a public health priority? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot more. I mean, I work for the state health department and my position is one year old. So at some point, the legislator said, you know what? 7,000 plus women in Utah every year are going through this. This is something we need to worry about. Um, So in Utah we are, and nationally we are as well. There are um, legislation being passed in many different states. So, How do Utahns rank against the national average? So with depression, we're higher than the national average. With anxiety, we are much higher. And in some populations, we're double the national average, which is a lot. What are those populations? So Anybody under the age of 24, Mm -hmm. um, their anxiety rates go up. Um, uh, Unmarried people, people who are unemployed, um, there's just tons of different risk factors um, and things that we can do to prevent that. And that's why we're here talking about it. Well, and I think that kind of makes the point I was thinking about earlier is that maybe the numbers of women who have died by suicide in the postpartum period aren't astronomical eight in a year of 2015 right but if 20 percent of women are dealing with postpartum mood disorders 
you know somebody who's had it or you yourself have had it. And if untreated, it could get to this crisis level. And there's a lot of people being impacted. Right. By this this situation. Yeah, a lot of people. And there, you know, there's risk factors like having had depression or anxiety. Those are risk factors for suicide. Also not getting enough sleep. And these are things that we can actually educate people on. You need four to six hours of sleep, just a chunk. You know, it sounds right. kind of impossible when you four have four hours of sleep. Right? How do I do that? Right. That's heaven. <laughs> I know. Right. So these are, but these are things that we can talk about and say, Hey, you can, you can do the best you can to protect yourself. Brooke Dorf is with the state health department. She's the postpartum depression specialist. And Brooke, we're the only state and correct me if I'm wrong in the country that has a postpartum depression specialist. Yeah. Maternal mental health specialist at the state. Right. Yep. So that means it's a problem here. And we need to be talking about it. I want to take your text, too. If you've suffered with a postpartum mood disorder uh, or, you know, have just had a rough time postpartum and and maybe you you didn't officially get diagnosed, but you knew something was wrong and you just decided to deal with it like most of us do because we don't know where to go for help, uh, you can text us on the Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500. Uh, we got to take a quick break, but when we come back, Brooke, I want you to stick around. And I want to bring in uh, Leslie Lundgren. She has experienced postpartum uh, mood disorder as well. And she'll share her story with us about uh, her suicide situation and how she found help as well. So we'll have some more resources for you when we come back on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into Inside Sources today. I am Lindsay Ertz, your guest host today with Casey Scott. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Well, I'm learning a ton. Right? Is and I'm, you know, I, I like watching you because your passion for this oh my is, gosh. Is, is, is amazing. I get and a little heated, don't I? You finally, you, you've got a platform and you want to shout from the rooftops. Absolutely. So we're talking about uh, maternal mental health right now. And we are going to get to Casey's story too about his addiction recovery. And that is very amazing. So I want you guys to stick around for that about 135 today. But um, we are talking about maternal mental health right now. And I experienced a postpartum mood disorder after the birth of Lucy uh, five years ago. And, you know, it was just a really, really hard time when you are told constantly that having children is wonderful. It's the best thing ever. (laughs) Right? It's the best thing ever. And then you start suffering after having a child and everything about having that child flipped your life upside down and you feel extreme guilt and extreme shame for feeling that way. And you said your postpartum didn't kick in until about three months after. Yeah, until three months. And I think that's one of the big biggest misconceptions about postpartum mood disorders is that they just happen right when you get home from the hospital. But I want to bring in Brooke Dorf of the State Health Department, who is the maternal mental health specialist. Hi, Brooke. Hi. So 
postpartum mood disorders can really happen anytime up to a year postpartum, right? Right. And women are actually at the highest risk for um, for dying by suicide between that nine and 12 month mark. So after the support's gone, after those you know, church meals are gone, the family's gone, everyone's gone. You're all of a sudden super isolated. And that is when you're at the highest risk. I remember going to my pediatrician at six weeks and he said, uh, this is the time where we see cases of postpartum mood disorders spike because, yeah, the meals fade Mm -hmm. and the well wishes fade. And and it's not anyone's fault. It's just kind of what happens. Life. Yeah, life. And and people are very well-meaning. But then you get to this point, six, 12 months where you're like, I'm really struggling here and I don't have a church casserole anywhere. <laughs> I'm all alone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the church casseroles coming. That's all I'm mm-hmm. saying. Partners are back at work. If, right. Like everyone's gone. And the other thing I want to dispel, uh, Brooke, is that um, it's not just a woman who's physically given birth who can suffer. We also know dads can suffer with postpartum depression. Yeah. One in 10 dads suffer from postpartum depression. And then also you don't have to have had just a live birth. You know, there are women who um, experience miscarriage or a stillborn termination, whatever it was that they don't have a baby in arms anymore, or they gave their baby up for adoption, but they still qualify for postpartum mood disorders. Absolutely. Okay. I want to bring in Leslie Lundgren. She is a mom uh, from Springville who I have met through my advocacy work with postpartum mood disorders. Uh, Leslie, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. So you yourself experienced a postpartum mood disorder and it lasted for like three years. Forever. Will you share your story with us? Yes. So um, my son is now five years old. And um, first of all, let me kind of backdate with that. When I was seven months old, my dad committed suicide. And so suicide's always been something that I've I've known about. I've been aware of it. I've spent most of my life... um, I've been spent most of my life trying to figure out why he would do that, why he would look at a seven-month-old baby and say, she's better off without me, um, until I was 30 and I had my son and I had postpartum so bad that every single day I was just like, this, is this just part of being a mom? Right. I didn't know I had postpartum. Right. So I just thought, well, I don't, I don't want to hurt my baby, so it's not postpartum, or I'm not depressed, so it's not postpartum. Um, and then recognizing that, you know, something wasn't right. And hearing from another mom friend who luckily spoke up the same kind of things that I had. And I thought, oh my gosh, this maybe is that. And then going and looking at my baby and saying, I'm never going to be the same. I've had this for so long. It's never going to go away. It's never going to stop everything I'm doing. I'm just scared to go to the doctor. I don't want my friends and family to feel bad for me. I don't want to be the project. So just looking at my son and feeling those same feelings of, you know what, I would probably be doing them a favor and they don't really have anybody to watch or take care of or make sure I'm okay. If this is what life's like being a mom, I don't want this. Right. So you felt more of a burden than a provider. Absolutely. And what's so interesting, Leslie, and and a little bit more backstory of you, I listened to your podcast called Rising Phoenix, where you share your story of this kind of two to three year journey with your postpartum mood disorder. And you would describe how, you know, you didn't feel like you could care for your son. So you'd take him to a friend's house who could give him that love that you couldn't give him or you'd you'd have someone come over and play with him so you couldn't do it. And you know what I thought? I thought all of that is showing love for your child. All of that is showing love, but you couldn't see it because you were in the depths of this illness. Thank you for saying that. Right? That's true. Have you recognized that or am I just pointing that out to you? You're kind of just pointing that out to me because there's still that guilt and that shame for that time period where no matter how far away from it you get, and, and maybe you've kind of experienced it too, but there is that guilt and shame for not bonding. I remember there's a picture of me right when I had my son, emergency C-section, 
when my husband, you know, puts them right by my face and I'm like dead. There's nothing there. Right. So that guilt for not bonding with him was really just, I'm still working on that. Yeah. You felt like you were broken for not being able to feel the love that everyone says a mother should be able to feel towards their child. Mm -hmm. And in our community, that's just this glorious thing that you're supposed to do. And I was just like, I am so broken. I can't provide what, you know, what he needs as far as a mom goes. And then I had to have an emergency hysterectomy. And I thought, no, I definitely can't have any more kids. What good am I? Yeah. Who am I as a woman? I can't have any more kids. Right. I can't love my son. All of that. So when did this all start to turn around for you? Oh, man. It did honestly feel like forever. It was, I, I would say, I call it a fog because I feel like, you know, it's temporary. It wasn't something that lasted forever, but it would, it would probably be, yeah, three years is when I started to feel a bond with my son. And was there a switch for you where you realized, okay, now I really need help or I've got to... Um... I've got to figure this out? Or was it more just sort of a gradual, slow healing process? It was kind of gradual and slow for me. There was little gems and people that came in and out of my life that I felt like really taught me a lesson. But I had a Britney Spears 2007, you know. Umbrella smashing moment. Magical unicorn day where it was probably a solid year where I had like a midlife crisis. And what did that look like? And how close did you get to your feelings of suicide? And then how did you get back from that? So that was about two years in. Um, mid midlife crisis and realizing that um, I was camping with my husband's family and just realized that everything I do, I'm just fear all day that my son's going to get hurt or he's going to pass away. What if he falls in the fire? What if he falls oh, in the river? What if he like worst. gets stung by a bee and he's allergic? And- a yeah. world of what ifs. Yes. Uh, and I still struggle a lot with that just because I'm high strung. But- Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> right? It serves me good. You're not alone. <laughs> but yeah, just um, realizing I was up camping with my husband's family and just thought I'm a burden to everyone. I can't even have fun with my family because I'm so scared all the time and so anxiety and so high strung that I just put my son in my car and said, I'm leaving. Like we had just gotten there and I drove back down the canyon and called my mom and told her to come get my son. And I was what just What were done. you thinking at that point? Were you thinking I'm going to go do this? Yeah. After, and then that was two years in. So those first two years, I was like, I'd be totally stoked if I got hit by a car right now. I wasn't going to go out and, and take my own life, but I would have been totally fine if I would like have fantasies that somehow something would happen to me. And that was just to take away the pain, I imagine, yeah. right? Just to shut my brain up. Yeah. It just never stopped. I feel like your story is all too common to many women who have experienced a postpartum mood disorder. So thank you so much mm-hmm. um, for sharing that. Casey, I want to give out that uh, suicide prevention hotline as well. 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. So if anyone you know is suffering or you yourself are suffering, you can call that that line and someone will be there to help you. Um, Brooke, what are you hearing from Leslie's story that are takeaways for you? Well, the, you know, a lot of things that she said that she was feeling are, are tall tale warning signs, right, of people who feel these things. There's hopelessness. There is, you know, um, feeling like a burden to others. There, you know, the history of, you know, family history of stuff going on with suicide in your life, um, starting to give things away, starting to find ways to take care of things. And those are all warning signs and it's okay again if you think those things and it's okay to talk about them you can get help things can get better leslie's a testament to that and it's important to have that message of hope that you know although things feel really monumental right now that there you can get therapy and you can get their therapy preventatively too if you have these risk signs um 
You can be on medication. There's no shame with being on medication and being a mom doesn't make you a bad mom. Right. You can um, do it while breastfeeding. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many resources out there. You don't have to be alone. There are local, you can call uni if you're in Utah as a local resource. Do you have that number off the top of I head? do. It's 801-587-3000. And that's a uni lifeline, right? Uni lifeline. And they can send out a mobile clinic to you actually if they think that, you know, if you're at that crisis level. So they will come to you. Um, there's also a text phone number for that national crisis hotline. If calling on the phone sounds really intimidating, you text HOME to 741-741. And we are talking specifically about postpartum mood disorders and specifically women who are who have suffered with them. But Brooke, Brooke is with the State Health Department. I would imagine these same risk factors, same signs sort of apply to the general population. It's true. Yeah, that's exactly right. So something to look out for in your loved ones. If, you, if you're seeing someone exhibit some of these behaviors, something you might want to look into. Brooke, Leslie, any final thoughts with you as we wrap up this segment? I would say just to encourage people to talk about it out loud. To say it out loud, I think that was the most healing part for me was to share my story. So interesting how we get, when we get those thoughts out of our head, we feel such relief. Mm-hmm. It's keeping it all in that really exacerbates the well, problem. Well, I think you finally realize that you're not alone. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And if this segment and you guys sharing your stories has proven anything to you, you are not alone. And with help, you will be well. These illnesses are very treatable. Yep. Yeah. And this is the time that people are actually the most responsive, are pregnant and postpartum women. So you can get help and it can get better. You don't have to be that way all the time. And like Leslie said, talking about it reduces stigma for other people, gives them courage to come forward and say, you know what, somebody that I admire or someone I know um, went through this and I, I'm also going through this. Brooke Dorf with the State Health Department, the Maternal Mental Health Specialist, and Leslie Lundgren, a Utah County mom who has been through this postpartum mood disorder and come back from it. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank, Thank you, you, ladies. Yeah, thanks for having us. Coming up on KSL News Radio, uh, we need to dive in, Casey, to your story. Okay. Of addiction recovery uh-huh. and how you came back from all of that. We'll talk about that when we come back on The Mom Show. Oh, no. This is Inside Sources. See how my brain does that on autopilot? I wasn't going to say This anything. might as well be The Mom Show, right? Because I'm not talking, a mom. We're talking about motherhood issues. We'll be back on Inside Sources. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.